Hello, everyone. My name is Mark LeBlanc, and welcome to uh, this episode of the Marketing with a Book uh, podcast, and especially directed at uh, agency owners and people in business development. I'm very excited today. We have an incredible guest in Jay uh, Langan, and um, I think we should just jump right in. Jay, uh, welcome. Thank you. It's uh, it's nice to it's nice to join you guys today. Well, your reputation precedes you. I'm I'm just want to start out by asking you to, I don't know, take a few minutes or as long as you need to. But um, why don't you share what we would refer to as as a defining story? Where where have you come? What got you to where you are today? Where did it all begin? Sure. Wow. I could I could go way back, but I won't go too far. Um, you know, I think for me, uh, after graduating college, I actually got into the advertising business on the sales side. So I worked for a number of years at Bloomberg in New York City. At the time, their uh, media business was very small. And so I was able to start as a pretty young person selling print, um, eventually digital, television, radio, and got some pretty good experience there. During that time, I ended up meeting um, the original founder of Ocean Media, who has since exited the business, Mike Robertson, they launched a campaign with Bloomberg for Priceline. And I got to know Ocean Media a little bit. Uh, I also worked with many, many other agencies across the country over the eight years that I was at Bloomberg. At a certain point, I decided with my wife, we were gonna try to move back to California, reached out to Mike, not thinking at all that I was gonna go to the agency side, just figuring he would probably know a number of sales sort of contacts on the West Coast. At the time he kind of said, hey, I have a better idea or an idea that I'd like you to run by you, which would be, help us grow the agency. We're only 10, 11 people at this time. This is about you know 20 years ago. Um, and I said, okay. And there were, there were two accounts at the time. There was Priceline and a company called Pitney Bowes. I joined the agency. I made the big move to the West Coast and Pitney Bowes went away and Priceline did an agency review. So I was a little nervous about my initial moments at Ocean Media. Fortunately, we, we managed to win the Priceline review and then really started sort of growing from there. Um, you know, over the last 20 years, we've you know, obviously grown quite a bit. We now have 180 employees. Um, we're doing about 700 million in terms of billings across the different brands we work for. We actually still work with Priceline today, in addition to brands like BetMGM, um, you know, Realtor, CarGurus, uh, Etsy, so Rakuten. So there's there's some great clients that we're really proud of, and uh, and it's been a it's been kind of a fun journey. The agency has certainly evolved a lot over the last 20 years. Wow. Um, well, first, congratulations. Your, your um, uh, what I would call a small business success story, your small business turned into big business. Um, <laughs> so, congr so congratulations on that. Um, uh, tell me a little bit about uh, Priceline um, or choose another client um, as what we would refer to as a client success story, maybe somebody who came to you that was on the smaller side, maybe a little bit more guerrilla work and has grown with you along the way. And what did you do for them? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, it's a, a lot of the brands when they first start with us, um, you know, so, like some can be actually, we work with Etsy, which is not a, a small brand, but what was kind of interesting is years ago, their CEO reached out and said, you know, we have a pretty big business, but no one really understands what we do. 
And we also have an issue where there's a lot of people that will come in and they think of us just for specialty gifts. We are interested in doing some kind of a test in advance of fourth quarter, but we don't wanna spend the kind of money you would need to spend nationally and take that type of a risk. So we identified a number of local markets and the idea was, could we change the brand perception through a media campaign, um, but also could we show a measurable lift to their business because, you know, in order to, again, if they did it nationally, the dollars would have been pretty large. So we did a local sort of testing control um, and were able to show good help from a brand metric standpoint. They saw some nice lifts, but they also saw a return on their ad spend that was pretty compelling. And it then sort of justified investing more in a national campaign. And they've since, you know, this is now going back about four years ago. Um, they've continued to scale over the last four years nationally. Um, but again, it started off smaller. A lot of the brands we work with, some of them can be, whether it's new to television, new to sort of media in general, they're risk adverse. So are we. I think that's actually smart when you first get started is to not say, hey, I'm going to spend $20 million this year on marketing or $10 million. You know, we often say, what's the least we can spend to get a reliable read on performance and then justify and scaling the campaigns but you're doing it based on performance and the fact that, you know, it's clearly generating new customers and revenue. Um, and also hopefully, you know, when you're doing a solid ROI campaign, the brand awareness metrics and consideration also tends to go up nicely as well. I, I'm not certainly not laughing at you, um, <laughs> but it but it but it sounds like and I guess I just want to kick this out as as a, a possibility. Um, it sounds, though, that whether you're doing a hundred million dollars a year or $10 million a year or a million dollars a year uh, or less, uh, some of these problems and challenges and issues are really the same. There, there's just more zeros. You know, Brett, what is our brand perception? Does anybody really understand what we do? Uh, how are we perceived in the market? Do we even know what we yeah, do I and, and what our superpower is? I think that's right. Um, I think one of the key things, particularly for brands that have very low awareness, is to make sure that you're, you know, we don't do the creative, but we're measuring creative across all these different brands. It's important to sort of tell your story and, and make sure that people understand sort of what the business is, why they should care, and what do you want them to do with that. So some sort of a, you know, visit Etsy, visit Priceline, you know, they're, they're there is a, a key element in terms of driving response and brand metrics that you've got to have your name clearly in there. But particularly for the, the newer, less known brands, um, we have we launched a company uh, years ago called Stitch Fix, and they had hired a very expensive creative agency in San Francisco to do their ad. We saw their ads, we looked at them, and we were we were pretty panicked because we went, no one's going to respond to this. We, like, it doesn't explain at all what they do. We sort of shared that point of view. They went back and hired another creative agency to do a different spot. That spot mm -hmm. wasn't ready until, you know, probably six to eight weeks later. Um, so the first six weeks of the campaign, the performance wasn't very good. It was, you know, four or $500 to acquire a customer. We put the new creative on that was really explained, it was more testimonial driven, and it dropped within a week to about $60. So it also kind of highlighted the power of, you know, making sure that people understand your value proposition. Um, and so that's, that's you know, I think when we talk to, although we again, don't do the creative, we certainly have 
a point of view on what we've seen across all these different brands we're measuring in terms of some of the things that are important and probably even more important for younger, newer sort of challenger brands that don't have the type of awareness that a Coke or a Pepsi doesn't need to use an ad to explain what they do because everyone kind of knows. Um, sure. So the more well-known your brand is, I think the more you can get away with having some of this sort of creative that's more brand and aspirational. When you're newer, it's almost more important to really explain yourself better. Um, you said something, and I want to uh, draw a connection to it or line to it. I want to make sure I heard you right as well. Um, for the stitch fix, in in bringing that per customer acquisition fee down from four hundred some dollars to, did you say sixty? Yeah, and I mean it's been a while. This is a, an, an old client of ours, but it was it was a really dramatic number. It was something in the range of yeah, like four hundred ish to like fifty to sixty dollars. So it was they, they wouldn't have continued with their marketing efforts if the numbers had stayed where they were. Sure. And what do you, um, one of the, I think one of the strategies or perspectives was test the use of testimonials in the creative. Is that correct? That's, that's correct. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of different ways, I think, to drive good sort of creative response. Testimonials have been successful for a lot of the brands that we've worked with over the years. Um, but again, there, there's a lot of different ways, I think, to get your message out there. Some people use, you know, more celebrity spokespersons to cut through. Like we work with Realtor. They used um, Elizabeth Banks for a number of years as their mm -hmm. spokesperson. Mm -hmm. Priceline has Kaylee Cuoco, who's from Big Bang Theory, who's in there. And they had William Shatner prior to that. Um, BetMGM uses Jamie Foxx in their ads. They also use Wayne Gretzky and all their ads in Canada for hockey. Um, so there's also sort of this, borrowed sort of credibility you can get from leveraging celebrities and ads as well. Sure. Um, Jay, what trends do you see uh, out here but over the landscape of time? Yeah, I mean, I think for us, that's been the <laughs> kind of the biggest question and the hottest topic of the last three or four years. I mean, right now, the big areas for us are what's going on with streaming, um, particularly when you're looking at the incremental reach that's now coming from both Netflix and Disney Plus rolling out an ad-supported product. Um, it's very early stages with both, um, but it's gonna be really interesting to see what the adoption levels look like um, with both Netflix and Disney Plus in terms of, you know, how many subscribers are gonna go for the ad-supported product, which again, you know, we've to date have not been able to, to get um, access to the Netflix audience. And it's a very, very large audience. Same with Disney Plus. So I think you're seeing some of the streaming services, particularly the Netflix of the world that said, we will never take advertising. They're now taking advertising. So um, there've been some pretty interesting shifts there. I know with Hulu, we do a lot with Hulu and you know they've had an ad supported product for a long, long time, but it's funny, you know, the difference in price, I think it's like seven or $8 a month for um, ad supported and sort of 13 for, um, you know, ad free. And 70% or so of the people opt in and, and choose the, the cheaper price and, and, are, and are okay with advertising. So it'll be interesting to see if Netflix and Disney Plus end up having sort of a similar split. And if they do, um, you know, that's going to unlock an awful lot of eyeballs and be a good opportunity for us and for a lot of the brands we work with. Um, so that, that's only one big trend. I think another one that we're investing a fair amount in is around podcasting. And so we mm -hmm. see for a lot of our brands, it's a, it's a great way to get into some very large audiences. I think podcasting has, has grown so much, 
but you also tend to get very integrated within the content. So for the majority of podcasting, we'll have, it's sort of more host read and you get sort of that credibility um, of, of a show that people are fond of. Obviously they probably wouldn't be listening to it and you have the host talking about your brand. Jay, when we hear some of the numbers and the clients uh, that you serve, um, most mere mortals are going to think uh, Jay and his team have everything figured out. <laughs> when when you wake up in the morning, what what is on your mind and heart? What where where does your focus lie? I mean, I I think we're always pushing hard. There's a couple couple big areas that occupy my sort of. What am I worried about? What do I think is an opportunity? What should we make sure we're paying close attention to? Um, certainly the media fragmentation and all of the changes and making sure that we're well positioned to buy across all the different platforms. And mm -hmm. also we're trying to get the best possible pricing and the best rates for our clients. Cause that that's a big deal too. If you can buy the media cheaper, that has a direct impact on the cost to acquire customers and the type of growth and you know the type of eyeballs we can reach those investments. So that that's fairly important to us. Um, I think the other piece of it is continuing to push really hard on attribution and ad tech. So we build out custom dashboards across all of our different clients and we're pulling in, you know, near real time data. So we can look today at what our TV performance was yesterday for linear television. So we, we're getting minute level, um, reporting from what's, and again, most of our clients are e-commerce. So a lot of the activity, majority of the activity is happening on their websites. So we'll get minute level visits, um, new customer, like when they were acquired and are able to then tie that back to specific television networks, specific creatives. We can look at different response rates. So all of those areas that we've built out, a lot of these attribution tools and measurement tools, I think have helped get us where we are today. But with things continually changing, you know, you can't relax in those areas. We are just continuing to invest and make changes. I mean, I'll, I'll give you one example. Um, so our tool, it's called Map that we built out. It, it looks at the TV attribution. Well, one of the things that's happened that I think everyone's pretty aware of over the last few years is viewership. A lot of people are not watching live commercials. They're recording shows, it's time shifted. And so, but on the flip side, if you're watching an NFL game, you're looking at you know 95%, maybe even higher in many cases of the people watching live viewership. So if we're trying to compare a cost per visit from something that's 95% live viewership to say Gray's Anatomy, where 40% or 50% could be time-shifted viewing, what eight or nine years ago was an apples to apples comparison is no longer. So we now have to index the networks against live viewership versus viewership that's time-shifted. So you know, things as things change, you have to sort of evolve with the tools and the measurement and sort of think through um, how can we get the best possible read on the performance for the different brands we work for? So yeah, it's <laughs> once you think you got something figured out, there's another curveball. And, and all the changes with privacy with, with Apple and a lot of the device stuff has also made it more complicated. So Jay, what um uh if if you're open to sharing and if you want to pass, you can certainly pass. <laughs> um, can you give us a uh, our viewers and listeners an example of uh, of a strategy that you and your team implement uh, to pick up a new client? In terms of if we're going out to sort of pitch new business? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the things that we like to do, particularly if it's a brand 
that is already out there, which many of the reviews are, the brands that are already advertising, we'll go and pull, you know, from a research standpoint, exactly what they're doing and sort of see where they're where they're putting their their money, both from a media mix standpoint, how much is in television versus digital, try to align that against then what their target audience is consuming and making sure that sort of some of those things line up. But uh, honestly, a big part of it is what would we do differently? Um, and where do we see some really good opportunities? I think the other piece is when we come in and do demos of, of the dashboard and some of the technology that we've built out that sort of helps to manage these campaigns and quite frankly, make them easier because while we can walk you through the dashboard, our clients also have access to it. So if they get a question from someone on the board, hey, this week looks really soft or we're having a really strong week, you know, what does our media mix look like? You know, they can go access a lot of this stuff in real time to understand sort of what's working well and maybe where there might be some places or opportunities to optimize. So I think kind of the combination of media strategies, some really good case studies and, and brands that I think we often see people go, you know, how did Etsy do it? Or how did Rakuten think about that? How did they get started? Um, they like to know that we've got the experience and have done that before. And then when you talk about helping to get smarter about attribution and analytics, that's, a, I think, a big point of separation between Ocean Media. And even when you think about like the bigger holding companies, you know, they, they don't, I don't think they think the same way that we do. And we got a pretty big head start in investing in this area. Um, and, and part of what benefits us is our roster of clients, right? Because there's so many that are e-commerce, we're able to get that minute level type of, of data mm -hmm. and then marry that with the media activity, third-party research tools that we have. And it, 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 you know, it allows you, I think, to make much smarter investments on behalf of the brands that we represent. Jay, did I hear you, did I hear you or understand correctly that um, if you if you identify a brand out in the marketplace that you want to pursue or or court or you know uh, go after, you're doing a lot of this research first uh, to sort of see what they're doing and how it might compare with what you might do. Did I hear that correct? So somewhat. Uh, you heard that partially right. So what we would do is if there's a brand that we think would be a really good fit for us, we would initially try, you know, and listen, business development's hard. Sometimes it's just the timing's not right and someone's happy with their current relationship. But if if we get a connection or or reach out and there's some interest, the next step then would be, okay, it looks like there is an opportunity. Let's take a look at what they're doing. Then we would look to employ, um, you know, sort of looking at their current media schedules and what we think we might be able to do differently or bring to the table. Because if you if you don't have some ideas that seem better and different to what they're doing today, you know, the chances are they're gonna kind of stay the course. A lot of the agency reviews that, you know, we participate in, it tends to be, you know, driven by some pain points. And, and that often comes out during the RFP in terms of, hey, a few years ago, we felt pretty good about this. You know, how do you guys think about the future? I think for a lot of uh, even some agencies that had a you know are pretty successful that maybe were a little bit niche, like they were really strong with linear television, but they hadn't done as much with with digital or CTV or podcasting. Like they're sort of struggling because it is more complicated now to buy across all these different platforms. Mm -hmm. And if you're not set up to do that very well, and also to apply some discipline measurement across. Um, it, it just, it's a, it's a tougher, 
it's a tougher ask, I think, for a lot of agencies, and some just aren't set up as well to do it. So I think when when there are some of those pain points, then they come and talk to someone like in Ocean Media, they sort of go, oh, wow, okay, yeah, we're not doing this. We're, we, we would love to have a better understanding. Oh, you guys have dashboards. And you know, it, it tends to be a pretty compelling case, um, particularly when someone maybe isn't checking all of those boxes for a brand. Mm -hmm. Because it sounds like you don't have any problems acquiring and attracting new business. I mean, no, we've had a lot of growth. It was 2021 um, was, a, was a big, big year of growth. Um, we've launched in 2022, uh, we've launched about seven or eight new brands this year, which for an agency is a pretty solid number. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I think the economy this year has been interesting just because I think a lot more brands, and this isn't unique probably to Ocean Media, this is pretty much an industry-wide thing that's happening, are, are taking more of a wait and see on what their budgets are. So often we'd have really good clarity on budgets for 2023. I think a lot of clients are going, hey, we kind of know what the first half of the of the year looks like. Let's let's put this here and let's see, do we go into a recession? Does inflation get better? Does you know, like there's just with uncertainty comes a little less clarity around budgets. Um, and we're doing more scenario planning um, than than maybe we normally would be for brands. Okay. Um, thank you. Um, fill in the blanks. Uh, a brand comes to us for blank and keeps us or stays with us because of blank. Ah, I like it. Interesting. Okay. Um, you know, I think a brand often comes to us because they're looking for a better return on their advertising spend and they're looking for a partner that can do that. Um, I think they often, we have a lot of long-term partnerships. I think they often stay with us. Um, one, because obviously you do have to deliver on, you know, driving mm -hmm. revenue and, and, but I think they often stay with us for the, the analytics and the, the technology piece that we're bringing to the table, because that often really helps them look, look good. And, and they're able to go to their board and say, hey, this is what we're seeing. And, and we're seeing this on the digital side, we're seeing this and, and sort of pulling that whole story together for them. I always feel like, you know, it's a great compliment to us if one of our brands says, hey, we've got a board meeting in two weeks. We'd love you to put together some slides that, we're, that we may want to use to kind of, like that to me is a big compliment that they are, are trusting us as their partner. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's around helping them make the smarter investments with sort of a data-driven approach. That, that okay. tends to, and, and once you build out some of these tools, particularly the dashboards, we're getting feeds directly from the client. We're getting feeds from third-party research. We're putting in all of the, the media activity. You know, you're building these tools and it's a joint effort with, with the brands. And so I think that also creates some stickiness because we're building tools together that are valuable for us, but certainly valuable for them as well. And not that mm -hmm. easy I mean, I'd argue very, very difficult to try to go recreate that, um, you know, with someone else. Is there, um, when I think of 180 employees or, or team members uh, in your organization, is there, from a culture perspective, is there an attribute or a superpower uh, that you're proud of that when you go to a prospect or what is what do clients your long-standing clients say uh, behind your back about your <laughs> ab about your people like man we we love working um, with Jay and his team because they blank what what's the intangible um 
I think because we're independent and we really kind of think about the work-life balance for our employees mm. and the way that we think about our brands, there's a lot of pride across the agency with some of the clients that we've launched and helped scale. And so people take a lot of ownership and, and sort of are rooting for each other. Um, so there's a really good camaraderie and you know, we just have never had that sort of political, um, you know, some of the things that exist at a lot of agencies and we don't have the same type of turnover you tend to see places because again, I think people like the brands, we're kind of all rooting for each other. It's, you know, very accessible on the senior level where we're not, we started, we still think <laughs> like we're smaller than we are. Um, I think the the interesting challenge, and this isn't unique to us, it's just been the curveball that COVID threw to lots of different office cultures. And so a lot of the employees that we've hired in the last couple of years, you know, we're at, we don't have many people, we've made it optional to come into the office. So we don't have very many people that are coming in. And mm -hmm. the other piece is if you're, you know, like we are today, you're on a Zoom call or on a Teams call, um, it's great, it works, we, we can operate really effectively, but some of the culture is, is a little bit trickier. The people who have been at Ocean for a long time really get the culture and the newer people, we're doing our best through Zoom and through sort of the relationships to make that work. But that is a, that is a challenge. We actually had the whole company out in August for something we called Ocean Fest, where it was like three days. We have people in 25 states now all over the country. Everyone flew in, put people up at hotels. We rented out the Long Beach Aquarium for a night and had a big party there. And, you know, an awful lot of people that hadn't met in person all got to meet. And so like thinking of things that we can do, we have a sort of activities committee that looks at ways to try to keep the culture the way we'd like it to be and the way that it was in this in this new environment is, is certainly something that's, um, you know, that's, that's not easy, but we're doing our best. <laughs> Well, thank you. It certainly is challenging whether you have 180 or 18 or or yeah. eight uh, to try to get everybody on the same page. But uh, but I, I love what you said about people take ownership and they get excited uh, uh, for a brand success. Um, uh, I have one more question, but if but if you have a tip for a small business owner. What would be a great next best step for a small brand? Yeah, so we we've worked with a, a lot of small brands, some of which have turned into you know much bigger brands than where they started. Um, but often, if you are a smaller brand, you're going to have you know small smaller budgets, um, mm -hmm. and the risk is going to feel much higher because you know those budgets, if if it doesn't work, it's going to be more painful on a smaller scale. So we really try to look at, I think one of the key things is understand what your goals are, like what you're trying to accomplish, really get a good understanding of who you're going after, because that will help, whether you're doing it yourself or using an agency, that will really help identify, well, this is where we can reach the audience. Let's get the right message there. And let's try to spend as little as we can, but enough to still get some, some learnings. And so sometimes that can mean starting local, Sometimes it can mean national, but very small. Digital offers some really interesting opportunities to do sort of geo-targeted type deals, but get some national type CPMs and efficiencies. So it, it, I think in the beginning, it's about starting and being really scrappy, 
um, you know, making sure the, the one thing I'll say though is you also don't want to spend, there is, there is a threshold where if you spend too little or the campaign is so short, you may not get enough learnings. And I think the worst test you can do is a test that's inconclusive. Um, mm. I'd rather have a test that's clearly unsuccessful because it would sort of highlight, we shouldn't keep doing this. That didn't work. Or you know, obviously if something's really successful, then you can start scaling, but it's a test that's unclear that I feel like the agency or the, the business owner has kind of failed. That That's the biggest fail to me is if you don't really understand whether it worked or not. Um, or why it worked or not. Yeah, yeah. My last question then is, um, when you look back uh, in your career, um, there was a day one. <laughs> and you've come a long way since day one. If you could go back to yourself on day one and give yourself a piece of advice, what would that what would that pearl of wisdom be for you at that age on day one? Oh, that's a good one. Uh, I mean, I, I think it would probably be around encouragement that some of the the early, you know, no one's taking you seriously. You're a young person. You're trying to, to you know, sort of get your message out there. Um, that if you really sort of stick with that, you know, the confidence will come. Um, I think your capabilities will will get a lot better. Uh, but there's, you know, it's it's an intimidating that those early days, um, especially for you know, I started on the sales side. So when you're starting in sales and you, you don't you don't have a track record yet, um, you know, those those first couple of years can be um, can be challenging. But it's sort of about sort of sticking with it and uh, and and you know, starting to build on the little the little wins that turn into bigger and bigger wins over the years. Yeah. Thank you, Jay. Sure. Thank you. And thank you, everyone, for joining in for this episode. And uh, thank you, Jay Langan, for joining us today and sharing your wisdom and insights and ideas and perspectives. Um, at Indie Books International, we believe that uh, marketing with a book and presenting yourself or that the magic happens when people experience you, whether it's a presentation, a speech, a workshop, a podcast uh, uh, episode, that that's when the magic happens. You can uh, check us out at www.indiebooksintl.com. Uh, and that's a wrap.